0: Good morning. How's everybody? How's your summer going? What summer? I, you know, when it's in the between a break of a rain and sunshine, you get out. I went and golfed yesterday. I played 36 holes on Friday, 18 yesterday. I'm tired, so I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let Nick preach. Nick's here with it, Come on up, Nick. Nick, Nick uh, and Lori Schultz are blessing us with their presence today. She can come up, too, if she wants. Here, we'll stand around the table. If I had coffee, I'd offer it to you, but I don't have any. You don't drink coffee, though, do you? No, I don't. Is that on? There we go. If you don't know, Nick is and Lori are um, a, a couple that we support as a church, and so a portion of what you guys give to Lightpoint Church we take and we use to support them and what they're doing to advance God's kingdom in Georgia. And so we're excited about that. Um, and so as I see, he's staring at me because he doesn't know what I'm going to say, and it's beautiful. <laughs> so I just take a couple of minutes, guys, and just share. We're going into a series called, in Ephesians, and the idea is that God is... is is a God that abundantly, more than anything, and this idea more, uh, that he has something more planned for our lives, and it's, a, and it's abundantly above what we could ever imagine. And if I were to point a finger at any couple, any family that lives this out, it's you too. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Because for you to walk away from a full-time job into a, a job that... Um, you don't know where things are coming from, and you trust the father's leading and you walk out in faith and he abundantly provides for you guys. Has far out I mean, just some of the stories you guys shared with me and Julia is just amazing. So this past year you were here with us how long ago? I think it was early no- November. Was it? It's been a while.
1: Yeah.
0: And you didn't bring your wife with you last my, time. Not last time, no. Mm. I realized they got I mad made at a big you mistake, for that, by I mean, the way. <laughs> yeah, no. So there's a revolt. So anyway, share a little bit about since November, about some things that have been going on and all of that, and yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll do. So we came up here last November, and at that point um, in November, I think we were about six months, about a half a year into raising our own full-time support for our family. We left a job at a church down in Savannah. We had been there. We left Cincinnati, um, I guess it was five and a half years ago now, Um, left uh, our church job in Cincinnati, where Chad and I were working at before. Went down to Savannah to work for a church in downtown Savannah, Georgia. But that downtown church was a part, a campus of a larger kind of mega church in Savannah, which um, Chad knows that I never wanted to work at a mega church. I wasn't putting my job resume out there to to do that and work at a huge church. But that's where God took us. Uh, We worked there for four and a half years, and about three and a half years in, four years in, um, God just continued to work on our heart about uh, really pouring our lives into neglected people in the community. And I was a family pastor at the time, um, doing children's student ministry and all that kind of stuff. And we had a heart for foster kids. We're foster parents. Um, we, uh, about two years ago, we had two twin girls uh, that were toddlers. We had them for a year and a half. And then we just had two boys, brothers, that we just returned to their family uh, a couple weeks ago that we had for four and a half months. So we have a heart for, for foster kids, orphan, widow, and just um, kind of racial issues in our community going on down there. And the struggle for us was God's wanting us and pulling us to do these things, but we're, we're at a church and we have a salary and it's a, it's a good job. And so what do you want from us? Because we're starting to feel unsettled, not because we don't like the church or we don't like the work we're doing, but when God's kind of pulling you someplace and you fight against it, you don't have a lot of peace about it, so, but we didn't know what that was, mm-hmm. which you're kind of getting to, and so, a long story short, we made the decision to walk away from the church in January with the support of my wife, it wasn't just my decision, I know some people are like, what did your wife think about that, and I was like, well, she was she was on board too and felt the same thing, and so we left the church without having a job to to go to, so that's probably kind of what you're referencing about us being a little crazy, and so we went into full-time support raising, and what we do now is um, I, I work for a nonprofit called Excel. We mentor young men ages 15 to 25 who are at risk, abused, neglected, fatherless, all those kind of things. So it doesn't mean they don't have parents, but there are young men in our community where the church really has a hard time reaching them. So we're not going after men, young men, or teenage boys who are in the youth group at church. We're going after the young men who aren't gonna go to the church, whose parents aren't gonna take them to church, their friends don't go to church. And so that's that's who we go after. Um, you have anything to share too? So, part of, part of what we do as well is doing our own full time support raising has allowed us to have a lot of freedom in what we do. So not only can we foster and have that ministry, not only can we I do the mentoring, but we're involved in a, a small well, I guess that's kind of a big small group. We host at our house where we do a rec- racial reconciliation mm-hmm. small group at our house where this past year it was twelve uh, multiracial people in our group of different ages, different races, uh, all trying to focus on Jesus and heal a little bit. And now we're going to probably go to 20 or 30 in our home um, this upcoming fall, and we're preparing for that too. So God's, all these things that God's put on our heart to do, we haven't been able to fully go into doing until we actually took that step of faith to, to leave the church <laughs> and the, the salary and the benefits and all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of where we're at. And Do you want to have anything to add about Maybe you'll have a good question for her. She she loves to talk in front of people, so
0: <laughs> there was uh, you guys foster and you have a heart you have a heart for the the fatherless. That's or correct. The foster children in, in that area. Um, what is the hardest thing you guys deal with, Lori?
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the hardest fostering thing. fostering yeah. kids. Yeah, so the hardest thing for us is um, we have four biological kids of our own, and then um, we. The past two times we were like, we'll take, we'd like to take like just one foster child, <laughs> but every time they call, it's like a sibling group. And so, um, our first set of they were twins, and so of course you wouldn't break up twins. And so we were like, okay, we'll do that, but um, going from four to six kids, it just kind of throws you into complete chaos. So <laughs> um, just adjusting to that, like you just have to kind of. Um, your whole family dynamic changes every time that you bring in a new child in, and so it's just um, it stretches you, and um, we all have to sacrifice something to to help um, the kids. But it's really rewarding too, to just see God, um, just see like both of uh, both of our foster kids. Um, the two placements that we had, they just fell in love with the Bible when they were with us. and um, Yeah, so when you step out in faith, God does amazing things. So and
1: It's a lot harder on her than it is me. She's a stay-at-home mom with, with four boys and then two foster kids. So I get to go, and it sounds crazy, but I go into alternative school or I go mentor, you know, juvenile delinquents and 15 year olds to 20 year olds that nobody wants to deal with like that's easy for me the hard part's coming home and I tell people that all the time it's like the real ministry is when I, I come home to the family and she's doing that all day but the the neat thing and she didn't go into it is that f- the first placement we had for fostering it was at a time where the hurricane came down mm-hmm. wrecked our house we did We had to move, do another full move after we just moved into a house one month later and had to move again. She was pregnant with our fourth child, which we weren't expecting. That happens, right? (laughs) So, yeah, Holby's good at that. Um. So she's 38 weeks pregnant with our fourth child in a home that we just moved into that we're going to have to move out of again back to another home, and You know, we get a call saying, hey, we got two toddler girls. Do you want to take them in when you're about to give birth in two weeks and you're about to do another, a third full move in nine months? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I wanted to foster, but I was no way I was going to force her to do that. And then she's like, hey, I think God wants us to do that. And I was like, what? Are you crazy? And she said yes. But because she said yes.
0: Yes to being crazy or yes yes to 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 following? the, the.
1: God, Just clarification. God moved in her enough <laughs> to make her say yes. Okay. There's no way her human self, that I was a good decision. Yeah. That was not a good decision. But it was the hardest probably year and a half of our, our life. But by doing that, the, the credibility and the, the way people looked at us in the church because of that step of faith we took, um, we have an amazing leadership role within our church for pushing our church to do more foster care because there's 500 kids in our county and only 38 homes for foster kids. And now our church is kind of rallying around us and other people to really put a spotlight on this and do something about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that would have happened if God didn't put that in our heart and she didn't actually say yes to that moment. Yeah. And we had to go through something in order for something bigger to happen.
0: You know what amazes me about that story is you shared with me once that being within the church on staff – didn't give you guys the platform you needed to help lead out in the church, which is interesting. But the other piece is it took you taking a step of faith, being completely dependent on God and what he has for you guys. That gives you the platform and the leadership, the place of leadership to be able to push that forward. That was the piece that that was so interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I think the scary thing is, like, we all have an idea of what church should be, what a pastor should be, Mm -hmm. what what we should do and what a pastoral position is and what the church should be like and it's a lot of times it's not really from a biblical perspective it's from our american christian western jesus of like this is how churches should be and it should look like this you know is it okay to meet in elementary school yeah it is is it okay to have a certain number of people here yeah it is if the people are following jesus and and doing that and a lot of times you know too it's that the pastors get caught up in the it's like it's the Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, and there's not a, sometimes there's not a lot of time in going out into the community and reaching, reaching people and engaging in their lives, and that was some of the struggle we had where finally we were like, you know what, it's okay. Like, I'm just as much of a pastor now as I was when I was mm-hmm. in the church. I'm doing just as much for the church as I was when yeah. I was working for the church, and you know, so is she as a, you know, a wife of a pastor or missionary, however you want to call us. And so just our view of what church is is very different than when we were on staff with a church
0: for 10 years, if that makes sense. I want to ask you about plans. You guys have experienced a lot of issues with, like, plans you lay out, what you think is going to happen. How do you all deal with when your plans and God's plans for you do not match up? You don't have to pass it off to Lori every time, Nick. <laughs>
2: um, okay. Well, I just think back to when we were stepping out in faith to foster, and then the hurricane like, hit our house, and it felt like, okay, like I thought this is what you had for us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm a crier like Chad, so <laughs> it's okay. You're in good company, Lori. <laughs> um,
0: it's okay. We both have emotions. Yeah, it's, this one it's lacking. Nice
2: to stay, yeah, <laughs> Um yeah, so um, but then like God blew our mind because um there's a family in the church who had another house for us to stay in and it was even like it's this elaborate, like huge house and like nothing we would ever think that we would ever live in. And so we lived there for um yeah, like five months while our house um they um built it back and so um so, in that process, it's like God provided every step of the way, and we were never lacking. <laughs>
0: no.
2: um, looking back, it's just like, yes, it was insane, and yes, it was hard, but God, like, He gives you more than you could ask for or imagine. No. And it was in that stepping out in faith, like, we would never have experienced that or, <clears throat> or, um, Seen God work in that way if we hadn't said yes. So He doesn't promise it'll be easy, but he says, I'm with you, yes.
1: yes. Yeah, and there's seasons where we, God gives us breaks too. Like right now, is we always say like when we just have our four kids, it feels so easy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's true. It's like, it's okay for us to take a break from fostering. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, like the second they go out the door, we have to take someone else in. Like we have to work on our... Marriage and our kids, and give them attention for a season of time too. And you know, <clears throat> to her point, one of the one of the things is, it's it's really hard to to live that life. But it's like we don't want we don't want to look back either, and and just we're not looking for comfort. Mm-hmm. Like God provides comfort, and that's not the comfort I'm talking about. It's just like we don't want to live and the people we're around and trying to influence. We don't want to just feel like we have a comfortable like American Christian lifestyle where it's like, yep, church is good, or I serve, I do this, and, you know, I I tell guys that I'm mentoring men as well. It's like if, you know, if people aren't looking at your life and occasionally asking, man, how is this happening, or why are you doing this, then I have to question whether we're living by faith or not. Mm -hmm. If there aren't people, you know, especially people who aren't going to church, who aren't following Jesus, if they don't look at you sometimes like, man, what are you doing, or why are you doing that? then really what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're just living like everybody else. And not that we're something fantastic. That's just for us individually. There's something where if we're not living in a way where God is the results and the faith and the energy are up to God, then we're just living on our own, in our own strength. And that's it's false comfort, it's false security, and it's it's really kind of false
0: living if you are following Jesus. Okay. So... You guys have a season of a break, per se, right? Um, how can we pray for you guys during this season and also leading up into this next year? What, what, How can we as a church be praying for you guys?
1: Yeah, you can pray, obviously, like uh, people's prayers, financial support, and that kind of stuff because that's always ongoing. Um, but this season, we, we're really trying to replenish our family. Um, replenish our, our marriage, replenish our boys because they're getting older now where, you know, it takes a lot out of them too. kind of our lifestyle. So really we have to have seasons of rest and rejuvenation so that we can continue to do the things that God's calling us to do. But even, even bigger picture outside of ourselves in that, we really feel like God's using our family to make an impact in our community in Savannah, maybe even bigger than that, through, through fostering, through orphans and widows taking care of the least of these in our community and pushing our church and people to to do that. But also we have a real heart for racial reconciliation and the pain that's going on in Savannah as well. And God's giving us platforms that we didn't really know we'd be able to get and and credibility down there to to do that. And those are kind of our two big focus points as far as others. So we're trying to rejuvenate ourselves, but Mm -hmm. those are kind of our two big people groups that God's having us minister to because I really... Our heart is kingdom impact and community impact, and those two kind of happening together. And at least in Savannah, I think it's in other places too, but especially in Savannah. Like, we really believe that if the church, not the buildings, but the people of the church take care of foster kids and the orphan and the widow, and they engage in kind of racial pain or, you know, refugee pain that we're experiencing down there, and they enter into that, that we're really the doors of evangelism and being able to preach the gospel down there and people to to come, come into the church because they feel loved is, is going to happen. So that's what we're hoping for and praying for.
0: Good deal. Um, let's pray. Is that okay? Father, we love you, and I thank you so much for Nick and Lori. I thank you, Father, for their lives and for their marriage, their friendship, for what they mean to just Julie and I, but also, Father, what they mean to this church. Lord, as we have an opportunity as a church body, that's not limited by walls or limited by anything but that is that is solely seeking after you and what you have for us lord that we have an opportunity to partner with an amazing couple that is um, doing exactly what you've called us to do lord and is loving the least of these and making an impact for your kingdom and bringing you glory in all of it lord i pray father for this season of rest for them lord that you would bless them beyond measure and abundantly more than they could ever imagine lord uh, in, in all areas, Father, Lord, that, that as they walk out in faith, Lord, what you have planned for them, I pray, Father, for your financial provision for them. I pray, Father, for uh, rest for them, Lord. I pray, Father, that as they pour into each other and also into their kids, Lord, that they would be able to see the fruit of that, Lord. And I just I lift them up to you and just ask, Lord, for as a new season, school year comes up where mentoring kicks up again. And as they get more opportunity to get into schools and things of that nature, Lord, that you would continue to be with them um, and give them the right relationships, the right connection, not only with the kids, but with other mentors, Father, that will um, help disciple the children that you have for them, Lord. So we lift them up to you and just pray for that and ask, Lord, uh, your blessing and favor on them. And, Lord, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead.
1: Thank you. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> no, we, just, we don't want to be accessible to people that are supporting us or churches that are supporting us. So we've got information on your info table out there I got my card I've got our last <clears throat> prayer newsletters we send out every month our quarterly newsletter and so we don't come to churches or places but I'm like hey please give us money but if you just want to be on our our prayer email there's a sign up sheet out there and we just want to be you know working for the church a lot of, a lot of times it's just you send people money and you don't have any relationship with them or know what's going on and we want people to have access to us and know where the church's money's going or where your money's going and so that we can have a relationship because we really appreciate the investment in us. So, if you want to be connected and know what's going on, you have the ability to do that and never wonder, like, hey, what's going on down there. So,
0: yeah. They it. both of them, both of them, I know Lori does an amazing job on Instagram if you're on that social platform. She does an amazing job of posting pictures of the kids and things of that nature and, and their story inside that to connect that way. And then you do a lot through Facebook.
1: Yeah, we have a private Facebook group, too, so that we actually show pictures of our foster kids Mm -hmm. or the young men I'm working with. Because I'm not going to put them on social media. I can't put our foster kids on regular Facebook or the guys I work with on regular Facebook. So we have a private group so that people can actually see the faces of the people we're we're ministering to, in case you're interested.
0: Appreciate you. Love you, man. You going to preach now? Thought about it. All right. Unless you wanted to. Nope. You got got a few minutes. I got a few minutes. Thank you. Go with me to Ephesians, and we're, we're kicking off a new series. And the, the, the series we're, we're doing is, is, if I could get you guys to understand this particular piece, God's plan for our lives is exceedingly, abundantly more than we have the ability to imagine. When we walk out our faith in Him, He shows us a life that exceeds our expectations, is filled with an abundance of what we need, and is far more than we could have ever imagined. And when I look at Ephesians and I, as we dive into this this, this book for the, the summer months, I want us to realize that we have a God that has a plan for us. And His plan and our plans a lot of times don't match up. And His plans and what He has for us, a lot of times they, they, they push against sometimes what, what we want in our own comfort. And that's one of the reasons why I asked Nick and Lori to share about their plans because I know... They've had a lot of plans of family vacations and of getting away for the holidays and of all these different things that they wanted to do, but knowing that God's plan for their lives was, was something that was abundantly more, and, and because of that, they've had to cancel their plans in order to get in line with God's plans. And it's not easy, it's not comfortable, it's not always what we want, but what is interesting about it is, is when we walk out in faith, God meets us every step of the way. And as we look in Ephesians, I want us to capture something that we, we need to look at as we dive in this, this passage. <clears throat> that everything that we are or that we are looking to do has to be grounded in who Jesus Christ is. Like it all comes from Him. Like if our, if our, if our viewpoint or if where we're at or if our dreams or hopes or anything like that is not in Him, then we're missing what he has for us. Paul was writing to a church in Ephesus, and I got a, a little picture of it here for you guys, just to give you an idea where it's at. If you look at the bottom part, <clears throat> you can see Jerusalem. And then you move on up to where like, now modern-day Turkey is, and that's where Ephesus is. You go over to Corinth, which we just came out of, Corinthians. We uh, looked at a couple chapters there. But you get an idea of where, where this rests, and if you go over to there to where the boot is, you can't see it, but you can see where Rome is. And so an idea of where Ephesus is to give you an idea of what's taking place and where Paul is at in his journey, or who he's riding through this church in Ephesus. It's interesting to me that as we look at this particular passage, not only do I want us to understand that everything we are, everything we do needs to be grounded in him, I want us to look at this passage that Paul was writing to a church, a church body. It would be like this, that if Paul wrote a letter to Lightpoint Church, not to Pastor Chad or not to any one individual in here, he's writing it to the church as a whole for them to grasp and understand. And the reason why I point that out is because there's a difference between writing to an individual as opposed to writing to a body of believers. That encompasses a lot of individuals but represents a church body, the bride of Christ. And so as we look at this passage, that's how I want us to view this, is that this was written to a church body, not one individual. And so we get into Ephesians 1 Starting in 1, verse 14, it reads this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to capture this, and if you have your Bibles with you, go there. And I want you to circle this word for me. And if don't be like my son, Chad, who says I can't write in your Bible. Yes, you can write in your Bible and make notes and all this. But one thing I want you to circle is this word, faithful. Capture this word faithful. He is talking, he says this, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful. He's pointing out that this church body is faithful to do what God has called them to do. He is calling, he's saying that they are faithful. It's in verse 1. They are faithful in Christ Jesus. They are a faithful body. See, so many times we get caught up in this idea uh, that we just swing or we do different things. But he's coming back to this piece that our, what, what's the number one thing that we have control over in our life is our faithfulness. Like a lot of things we cannot control in life. We can't control whether the AC works. We can't control how much I sweat or how much I don't sweat. We can't control a lot of things. We can't control whether the projector is at the right distance or is shining at the right thing on there. It gets complicated. A lot of things we can't control in life, right? You can't control whether your kids want to be obedient or disobedient. I mean, you can correct them and you can do all this, but their choice to be obedient or disobedient a lot of times falls outside of our control. It just happens. Things in life don't go necessarily the way we want to, but one thing that we can be sure of is this, is that as believers, as followers in Christ, we have the option, we have the choice, we have the ability to be faithful. What does faithful look like? Faithful looks like this, that even though I'm tired and I may want to give up, I continue to go. Faithful looks like this, even though I may stumble and I may get off track and I may do something stupid. I ask for forgiveness and I receive that forgiveness and I live forgiven and I continue to go on. Faithful means that no matter what happens during the day or during the morning or during the night or whatever happens, faithful is that my con- I'm in constant pursuit of what God has for me regardless of whether I fail or whether I succeed, whether I'm walking slowly or walking fastly. Faithfulness is something that I can live out in my life and all it takes is me taking steps of faith day in and day out, whether I fall down or get back up, all I need to do is be faithful in what he's called me to. And it's not dependent on how many times I mess up, guys. It's not. It's not dependent on how many times I blow it. Faithfulness is, not, is, is, is a journey we take. It's something we do day in and day out. A choice I make moment by moment to be faithful And the moment I choose not to be faithful, the next moment I can be faithful. And he's writing to a church that he says is faithful. And notice this, it's in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 3, and this is where we'll pick up today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places so that we were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We have a God that has a plan. And it's not determined by what's going on in today's world. He has a plan for us who belong to him. He has a plan that that he wants us to see. And as we lay this out today, here's what I want us to know. In him, the first thing I want us to get is this. In him, we are blessed. And I want us to, to define this word blessed because I don't want us getting caught up in this idea of material blessing. You could have a, a a jalopy, a broken down vehicle in your car, in your driveway, and you're still blessed. You can have a roof that's leaking, and you're still blessed. Your finances could be an uproar right now, and you are still blessed. You could be in a season of needing something or wanting something of struggle, and you are still blessed. The biggest chaos could be happening in your life. You could be sick. You could be dealing with an illness. And then in him, you are still blessed. Your blessing from God is not dependent on material on material stuff. We get it messed up. See, we think God's favor means that we're blessed with material things. It's not true. That's not scriptural. We get caught up in the wrong things. See, we go on vacation and we think, oh, that's a huge blessing from God. Yeah, it is. But that doesn't mean you're blessed. We, we do all these things and we got all these things going on and we, all these different things and we can uh, say, well, this means he's blessed me. No. I want us to understand this one thing. In him... If all you had was your relationship with Jesus Christ, if all you had was his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy, you are blessed. Did y'all hear that? Are y'all grasping that piece? Because I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of looking at my bank account and saying, God, why aren't you blessing me? I'm guilty of looking at my home and saying, why aren't you blessing me? I'm guilty of looking at my wonderful, obedient children who are disobedient at the time and saying, God, why aren't you blessing me? And See, I miss it. I miss that in him, because of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, because of how he gave his life for me, because he paid the price, because I belong to him, that alone considers me or deems me blessed. He goes on and he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in... Y'all got to participate. It's too hot not to participate. Y'all ready? Let's try again. Who has blessed us in with every spiritual blessing of the heavenly place. Now I want you to see this. He takes it to a whole nother. He doesn't say uh, uh, earthly. He doesn't talk earthly here. He goes every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He takes it to the spiritual realm. And so many times we live, because we live in this earthly realm, we we live on this place where all we can see, that must mean something. And he says, no, it's far more than that. Your blessing is coming from the spiritual realm, from the heavenly realms. That's where your blessing's coming from. Stop looking at the earthly stuff to deem whether he loves you or not and realize that you are blessed because he sent a son for you. And he goes on. And this in Romans 4, 7 to 8, and this actually is taken from Psalm, and Paul quotes it from Psalms 32, 1 and 2, and and this comes from David. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are what? And whose sins are? Guys, you're blessed. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Simply because of that, we can be blessed. We are blessed. The blessing is in Christ Jesus and Him alone. And because of that, we can live the life that He has for us. We can walk out in faith. The second piece of this in verses 4 to 6 of chapter 1, it reads this. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us and the beloved. I love this passage. And the reason why I love this passage is the meaning behind it. See, we get into this predestination debate all the time or not all the time, but it's out there. And what I, as I read this passage and I, as I unpack it more and more and as I think about what the, the magnitude of it is, this is predestined in this particular uh, passage does not imply that God picked some in order to condemn others. Rather, they show that God did not act in, in, in a purposeless way but has a destiny in mind for us. I want us to understand this. I believe that in the beginning of time that God had a plan for his church, his bride. He predestined that his church, his bride, would be blessed, would be something set apart. It was his church that he knew was going to be used to show his glory. It was his church body, the ones that belong to him, the ones that have given their lives to Christ, the one that has received his forgiveness and grace that, that he is talking about in this passage, I believe. And that in this, that there's something that comes on because here's the bottom line is that in as individuals, we all have our, our stuff. And even as a church, we all have our stuff. But there's something that he has chose out of the church, out of the church body, out of the bride of Christ that he. That he wants that in the very beginning, before the foundation of the world, he says, You know what? My bride is going to be this. My bride is going to be holy and blameless. And again, it's not because of what we do, and it's not because of what I am, it's not because of anything that I do, but it's all because of Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so when I'm grounded in him and I realize everything comes from him and everything is in him and through him, that it sets on this different tone of saying, you know what, we have this different piece where he sets us apart. Not that he he sits there and says, well, you're chosen, you're not. But it's this idea that I am going to be very purposeful. And setting out what I want, I am going to have a plan that I will show people my glory, that I will allow people to see me. And it says this in Him, in His love, He predestined us for adoption. In other words, He brought us into His family, and He has a plan through us, and it's all through Jesus Christ. There's another word in here when we talk about adoption. Adoption is totally something different in the Scripture than what it is because they use the word adoption even in the in the sense of of, of a child in that day, what would happen was this. A child did not have the full responsibility as an adult when they were a child. It did not have the full responsibility as a family member in this day. There became a, a, an age of accountability or an age of responsibility that in this culture they would reach this certain age where they would no longer be considered a child, but they would be considered a, an adult with family responsibilities that they would take on. And so this word adoption means something different than what it means to us today. And it's kind of it's an interesting word because it shows this picture that as a child in a family, you're still a part of that family. And it's not like, it's not like you're separate from that family, but in this particular, in this culture, what would happen is, is you would stay this child until you became a certain age where you could be trusted with the family responsibilities. And they use this word adoption to represent that. Because so many times we think, well, you must be outside of the family in order to be a part of the family. Not in this culture. You were always a part of the family. You just didn't have the family responsibilities associated with it. And so when we look at this word adoption, it's saying this. is that all this, you're, a part of, you're a child of God, but now you're going to be giving the family responsibilities as a child of God it carries a weight with it. It carries a responsibility with it. See, so many times we think, well, there's a separation. And yes, there's a separation between us and God. But I, if I look at it's is, is that, you know what? As children, we're, we're loved by God. He still wants us a part of his family. He still wants that relationship with us. There becomes a point, a transition point, where we become and we start receiving family responsibilities. And we're given rights as a family member. And this is the piece that is so interesting this passage that it paints here. See, in this, he sets us apart. In him, we are set apart for something. In him, we are set apart. And we go on and resist to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Again, everything through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. See, I think a lot of times we, we think that, like, you all know me by now, and hopefully you know that I'm a guy that likes to fly by the seat of my pants, and I drive people nuts. Poor Jocelyn has to deal with me, and she throws stuff at me, all this stuff, and it's great. But I don't like to be planned out. I, it drives me nuts in some realms, and, and, and it drives a lot of people, and, and just but there's this piece of, I don't like to have a lot of plans and structure. I feel constrained by it, but that's me. And I know there's some people not going to point any, name any names. Jocelyn loves to have plans. She likes to know what I'm preaching eight weeks out in advance. See? <laughs> She would love for that to happen. Two weeks would be great. That's not fair. I'm getting so much better. Um, but there's a piece in this that that, that, that that doesn't, like the plan piece does not bring me comfort. Because what happens is so many things get changed. And so many different things happen that you just, you know, I don't like to be confined, but I know that when we have a plan, it, it helps others. It helps give us direction. I have a boy who every night we lay in bed, and and this is our bedtime routine. And this is with with one of our kids in particular. We lay there, and his question to me always is, Daddy, what's the plan for tomorrow? My plan in an hour is to go to bed. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know why I'm hesitant to tell him what the plan is? Is what happens if something goes wrong? Daddy, you lied to me. Daddy, you didn't follow through on what you said you were going to do. Daddy, you said we were doing this and we didn't do it. See, that's me. So many times as we look at this passage according to the purpose of his will, I want us to understand this, that God's plan for us is not as specific as a lot of us want it to be, is not as mapped out as a lot of us would like it to be. There's some room to, to move around. See, his plan is bigger picture. His plan has something that's that's a lot different than the way we do things. So he has this this plan for our lives, and the plan for our lives is this, is that we would be brought into relationship with him. Did did y'all catch that? His plan for our lives is that we would have a relationship with him. That we would belong to him. His purpose, His will for our lives is that we would belong to Him. And we want to get caught up in all the other stuff as far as the, 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 the day-to-day things and all of that stuff. And I think we miss this a lot of times is this. Is as long as we belong to Him, and as long as we're following Him, and as long as we're walking out in faith, we're accomplishing His will in our lives it's not as complicated as we make it to be. See, his his will for our lives is that we would be faithful, that we would walk with him, that we would belong to him, that we would love him. His purpose for our lives is that, that we would be in him and that everything would be grounded in him and that because of our relationship with him, out of that we would live our lives. And so whether you're doing taking care of a loved one who's sick? Do you do it because you're grounded in Christ and you love Him and then out of that flows your love for this loved one to take care of? You go to work and you do sales or you do... Um, it or you do teaching or you lead out or you do whatever it is see that the problem is not in those particular things because god's gifted you in a certain way to be able to do those very well it's not whether you're in the right job or you're in the right career or whatever it is the question is is while you're in your career are you walking it out in faithfulness to god You don't have to get caught up in this. Whether you're a nurse taking care of people, are you going into that with, you know what, I love Jesus so much that I'm going to love my patients as well as I can today? I mean, there's certain things we're gifted in doing and certain things that we're passionate about. Guys, use those passions that God's given you to bring Him glory. That's His purpose. That's his will for our lives, is that we are so grounded in him that everything we do, whether we are a a mother or father that stays home with the kids, and we love these kids with as much as we can, or we're sitting in front of a computer, or we're sitting in front of a board meeting, or whatever it is we are doing, are we doing it for his glory, not ours? Is everything based out of our relationship with him? Because if it's not, we're missing his purpose for our lives. And he set us apart for this. goes on and says, Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, again coming back to God's will, not ours, but back to his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Guys, everything we do as we walk this out, as we live this out, should go about being about praising and bringing praise to his grace, to who he is, with which he has blessed us in The beloved. Now I want you to catch this: to the praise of His glorious grace. Because we, if we've come to make the decisions that you know what, I'm going to choose to believe that Jesus gave His life for me. That because He gave His life for me, I'm forgiven, and all of this. Because I'm going to choose to believe that, then you know what's poured out on me is His grace. And when his grace is poured out on me, something amazing happens. When his grace is poured out on me, then my life can be transformed and lived in a whole new way. And see, the scripture here talks about his glorious grace. Do we live in such a way that people can see his glorious grace absolutely flooding our lives? Or do we live in such a way that all they see is condemnation and us being judgmental of everybody else and what they do wrong? Because when we live out his will and we live out our lives in whatever capacity it is, but we do stuff because we are grounded in him and because we belong to him, and we're doing it because of that and because of who he is in our lives, his glorious grace flows out of us and into this world, and people start praising the God from whom it comes. And that's the peace that I want. That they stop looking at me and they start seeing how glorious our God is and the grace that he has for us. And he set us apart for this. In him we are set apart. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Romans eight fifteen. We go on and, and we see this next piece in verses 7 to 10. In him, we are included in his plan, his plan of redemption. It says this, in him, we have redemption through his blood, not our acts, but through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, again, coming back to this plan that he has, that we are going to be redeemed because of his blood, that we are forgiven because of his blood, according to the riches of his grace, the riches of his grace. It goes on, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will is this, is that there was a time when people were trying to do things on their own way. And they said, you know what? If I just do things right and I follow the commandments and I do this and I I follow all the rules, then you know what? Then that's what's going to set me apart and it wasn't working. It wasn't what God had. The mystery of his will, the mystery of his plan is simply this. I have a plan to send my son Jesus down here. And he is going to be the answer to which he solves our sin problem that he covers our sin, that out of what he did, this mystery of how we have a relationship with God and all this peace, that his will is that Jesus came, that he died, and it's revealed now to us because of what he did on the cross. And he comes on and he says, Which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. The purpose, the will, all comes down to the forgiveness of our sins, the forgiveness of our trespasses, the riches of his grace, the redemption, this being made right with Jesus, this payment that was made for our sin in order for us to have a, a relationship with him. And we're included in this because in him we are a part of his plan as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. See, that's the plan. And as long as we have Jesus, we can be a part of it. And as long as we are in Jesus, we can be a part of it. If we're not in Jesus, then we're not a part of it. Colossians 1, 27 says this, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's richness in it. And I'm not talking earthly richness, I'm talking heavenly riches. The fact that I'm forgiven, the fact that his grace is so abundant, the fact that his grace is so much more than I can ever imagine, that no matter how many times I fall, no matter how many times I stumble, his grace is still there. It doesn't stop. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is in Christ which is Christ in you the hope of glory lastly <clears throat> in him we are given more not only just if he just simply saved us and gave us for gave and forgave us And his grace covered us, and his blood set us free, and we are no longer in slavery. That would be enough. If it was simply that, that would be enough. But he chose in Christ to give us more. 11 to 14 says this In him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined, this is this word, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. See, God had a plan. He had a purpose for what he was doing. He had this thing that he wanted to see happen. And he saw it from the very beginning and it started in Christ. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ, now catch this, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. See, there's something about those that put their hope in Christ. There's something about those that walk out faithfully. There's something about those that take step of faith and allow God to use them. There's something about those people that say, you know what? I'm not gonna be restrained by what society says. and I'm not gonna be restrained about whether people think I'm crazy or not. But my hope is going to be in Christ. And it comes on and says, might be to the praise of his glory, about bringing him glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and catch this and believed in him do you believe in him do you believe that he said what he says he will do? Do you believe that you are forgiven? Do you believe that you have enough grace flowing over you that it should be flowing out of you into this world? Do you believe that he has a plan for your life that is not limited to a career or any a career path, but it is it is unlimited in what he can do with right where you're at and bringing people to his kingdom? the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and that's the more we're talking about. When I have the Holy Spirit living in me and I can look at somebody and because of the Holy Spirit's power know that somebody is hurting, and by the Holy Spirit's power, knowing somebody needs a hug, or knowing by the Holy Spirit's power that somebody may just need my time, or may need a phone call, or may just need somebody to walk with them. And it's because of the Holy Spirit's power that that's the more in life. See, in Him, He has chosen to give us more. And it's from the Holy Spirit that we have this. And He dwells with us the minute we give our lives to Him. It's there. It's not limited. It's there to be used for His glory. It was enough that He forgave me. It was enough that He saved me. But in Him, He gave me more to live in this world today. In 14, it says, Who is the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory? Did y'all catch that? We don't even have what he has in store for us yet. Like we can't see what he has in store for us yet. That inheritance piece, we don't get it till later. So the blessed, the how blessed we are now is nothing compared to the inheritance we get when we get the glory. There's something more he has for us. So my question today is, do we live in a place of getting by? Do we live in a place of skimming by? Do we live in a place of, of, you know what, this is enough? Or do we live in a place where we know he has far more abundantly than we could ever imagine for us? And that because we are in him and grounded in him, We are blessed. We are set apart. And he has given us something more that's in store for us. And how will we respond in that today? As Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, he wanted to encourage them that because of their faithfulness and as we walk out faithfully what he's called us to do, he has a plan for us. And it's far more than we could ever imagine if we continue to be faithful in what he's called us to. Let's pray. Father God, I love